I've raised your kids kosher and all but by myself. I've put up with your suicidal drinking, your compulsive gambling, your silly platonic affairs. You owe me, Herman. Don't ask me to give you poor Sarah's seal of approval. Why do you put up with me, Schnurz? My movie star looks or my diplomat's charm? to a brewery or coffee shop or breakfast place, um, tea shop, wherever we decide, usually someplace local, and just talk about our views and opinions about whatever we watched the night before. Yeah, and this is the closest we've ever come to, like, the, the next morning coffee because that's our current beverage of choice. Yes. We had a quick breakfast. We're at King State Coffee. And brewery in, in Tampa, Florida. Tampa, Florida. Again, we're still hanging out in Tampa. Um, King State's sort of a favorite of ours. Yes, definitely. Years ago, they just they brewed coffee. They were coffee roasters. And a couple years ago, they opened this awesome spot in sort of central Tampa, close to downtown. And in the mornings, it's coffee and breakfast. Delicious breakfast. My and, breakfast was so good. And great coffee. I mean, you know, some places you have to go and, like, we order, well, we used to order a lot of Americanos yes. from places, but places like King's, because you, you would order an Americano, my theory was the drip yeah. coffee at a place wasn't great, mm-hmm. but you wanted something more than an espresso. Right. So you got the Americano so you could drink on it longer, and it was a little stronger and richer. But here... The drip is awesome. Their roast is great. So you just we just get. It's excellent, and their the food their their breakfast and particularly they do uh, pizzas on like Friday Fridays, night, Fridays maybe and Saturdays, just Friday, I think. Friday Saturday. Um, it's really good too. So that's kind of our our favorites here. And they brew their own beer as and they, well. And they brew a pretty darn good beer. Yeah. So um, our first great. two episodes, we were in. Um, a kombucha shop, and then a brewery, exclusive, nothing but a brewery. Um, but originally our concept, as we always have talked about in our first two episodes, was to go talk about the movie over coffee the next day, because that's where this idea came from. And eventually we'll get over the, like, explaining our reasoning for <laughs> sitting in public and talking about our movie Movies. watching. Um, and as always, we're just talking into some mics amongst people making and serving coffee, making breakfast. So there may be some extra noise in the background. It's, it's a Sunday. People are brunching. I saw a couple brunch hard bumper stickers in brunch. the uh, I break for brunch um, in the parking lot. So we know we've got some serious brunchers here today. And, um, and we're just nestled here in the corner to do that. We, we, we try to put some pictures on Instagram, um, either letting you know what movie we did watch or about to watch or where we're going to be hanging out. Um, or just to see if you want to check out the space, because even though this movie film show, it's also somewhat of a very brief foodie restaurant. Yeah. Um, well, it's more like hang out, like you said, coffee shop, brewery place. So we always post a few pictures of where we're at for the day. 
Um, and so we'll put those on. I think all our social media is Night Before Podcast. If you search right. that. On Instagram. Mm-hmm. And that's Twitter, really, right? Yeah, but Instagram is really the main thing we're using okay. because of the visual. But it's there. We got it up and going. All right. So also tonight's special because tonight is today's special Today. because tonight are the Oscars. I'm so excited about the Oscars. I don't know if Especially I'm excited. Especially this year because we've watched more movies, or I have watched more movies that are up for Best Picture than I've ever watched before. So um, sometimes we make a big deal about the Oscars. We have Oscar food. We have Oscar bets going on at our house. This year, I think we're just going to just watch it amongst doing work. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, we get excited about the Oscars. There's still plenty of problems with the Oscars, we'll say. Well, we'll talk about that. <laughs> well, not only the films, just the whole, like, academy in general. And yes, 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 I yes. mean, we're definitely of the mind that, like, the films we like either don't get nominated or... Oh, absolutely. Well, there's or don't, all or kinds to, of yeah, issues. Yeah, lots of issues. Them. But still just the idea of still celebrating film in some capacity is still, um, I think, still very worthwhile. Absolutely. To watch, like just, just uh, and I think that raises the conversation about movies and um, the whole Academy and the Hollywood machine. Why or why not a certain picture would be picked or not picked? And yeah, the and fact that, like, it, as ridiculous as it seems, Minari I think doesn't even stand a chance for Best Picture. Our last episode, simply because Parasite won last year, and it's almost like this. And that will be really disappointing to well, me. Well, well the, no, the real disappointment of the Oscars is that Sound of Metal will not win Best Picture. Well, but we know that's not going to win. Yeah. But the, the conversation last night was that Minari wouldn't win because Parasite won last year. You can't have Simply two Korean films it was two in Korean, a row. And I said, why? Because every year we have American films win. We, we never say we can't have two well, because, like, on American all things films in life, win. No, because like on all things in life, it's like, oh, they're like, oh, we got to spread the wealth. This person won last time, so we can't let it's them win again. It's more of a show than what's oh, really Oh, we got to make sure this person really gets represented. So it's like, and that's the problem with the Oscars, is that kind of yin-yang between like, oh, we're going to do a better job. But then there's things like directors who've directed a long time, and then they get an award, not for their best film, but because, oh, they're due. That's because what they're I mean. what? Because they're due for a win. Oh, oh They never oh, got their gotcha, win, gotcha. and who knows how many more movies they're going to make. Right, right, like right. Like I said, the Oscars itself is just problematic. Well, we'll talk more about the problematic nature of it as we get along. Yeah, I definitely the, have more to say about that. Uh, we'll see. That, <laughs> as in regards to the movie that, that we are going to be discussing that's up for And speaking of, yeah, movies picture. and the Hollywood machine mm-hmm. and the... Uh, the white elite um, as we're dancing around Absolutely. Um, and how movies get made, the white male elite. Um, we watched the movie Mank last night. We did. Directed by David Fincher, written by Jack Fincher, his father, um, who is we now um, deceased. Um, and a movie set in the 1930s and early 40s about um, Herman Mankiewicz, referred to as Mank. And his writing of Citizen Kane, arguably, as some have said, um, one of the greatest movies ever written, one of the best scripts ever written, Orson Welles uh, directed and, quote, like, co-written, quotation marks. Co-wrote. Yeah. So Mink, 
What do you think? <laughs> well, I'm just I'm going to be perfectly honest. Perfectly honest. I did not like it at all. I knew this was coming. I can't I am I have thought about it overnight. Of course, I've done a little bit of research trying to find I guess what I should like about it and see if I agree. Um, can't find that. Um, and I'll tell you why. Here's my thoughts. First of all, I think it's made for people like an elite niche of people that understand Hollywood and politics and all of that in the 30s and 40s. I do have to say it doesn't explain a lot in the beginning. It's You get very lost. I was very lost, like confused. He would, uh, Jesse would say comments here and there, like agreeing with or, or understanding. And I would, be, I would be like, uh, okay. I have no idea. Um, I, I eventually got along with the plot. Like it kind of came together for me. The plot was very... difficult for me to understand at first. And that's me. I know you have a completely different view. You do? Well, let me but ask you this I could not also, like, even if I don't like a plot or not particularly liking the movie, I could usually get into certain characters. I could not get into any of the characters. I could not empathize with any of the characters. I could not find that I really enjoyed any of the characters. The closest character I could come to slightly enjoying is the assistant, the woman who is typing the novel, or writing, writing, um, whatever you call it, for Mank. Yeah, she was transcribing his script. Um, as he was, because at this time Mank was bedridden from like a broken leg, he had gotten in a car accident recently, right? Um, and was also, though that wasn't really the case, he was also um, detoxing from right. um, his sort of extreme alcohol consumption. And, which, and I, which I enjoy movies about that. You know. I but still couldn't empathize, empathize but, but with him at all. About I couldn't care about any of the characters too much, like. The movie didn't make me care about any of them, really. So any of them. Well, I agree with you 100%. This is a movie made for a specific audience, and right. which is people who who uh, more of a film history background, right? Yeah. And, and sort of know the history of Citizen Kane, Orson Welles, um, and even even um, William Randolph Hearst, and the whole newspaper. So so would you venture to say that's not a huge portion no, of... No, no, it's um, not a huge, a huge I mean, let's, audience let's think of either. just um, people in general, well, so even, that brings even that, highly intelligent people. So that people. brings the bigger question, right? Because I think even on Purple Noon, we talked a little bit, at least I know I mentioned, how nice it was that the audience was given the respect of, hey, we're not going to spell everything out for you. Right. Like, there's always this argument of, should movies... There's always this two-sided there's always these two-sided extremes to movies right it's either they don't tell me enough or they don't tell me or they tell me too much right well purple they, noon had just the right amount so yeah so you're looking for the the, the right bowl this of porridge 
it just went so quick. There's name dropping without a lot of name dropping. Lot, so much name dropping that it's like, okay, I've, I've semi heard that name before, but I don't even have time to figure yeah. out who it is unless no, no, I pause I the movie to, and Google search it. I think it. there's something to be said for for laying some sort of groundwork. Yes, um, yeah. But there's definitely a heavy element of we respect the audience watching this that they will either follow along enough or they know enough. Because um, I will be honest, nothing irks me more in films when they introduce something or a character or something that happened. Mm-hmm. And then near the end of the movie when they're wrapping things up, they have to flash back to those other scenes or that person's face so you remember like who they're talking about. And that's always a, a bit irksome. This movie is, is a bit more extreme. I will say this. The first hour? It's rough. You're just like, I'm not 100% sure what's going on. At all. But At all. It moves quick. Well, I'm glad you felt that way. I, I didn't know you yeah, felt I'm that not gonna way. Say because it moves. you kept saying little comments, and I'm like, <laughs> he's totally into this, and I am totally lost. That's how I felt. Um, yeah, it, I don't say it moves quick. It moves, it's jumbled. It right. moves around yeah. a lot. It yeah, jumps yeah, around yeah, a lot. Yeah. And it jumps between the past and the present. It tells two stories at the same time. Mm-hmm. The current story of oh, yeah, Mank, I got that Mank in bed. Yeah. Um, and then sort of the slow story about how he got, not to the accident, because they tell you that right away, but how he got to sort of his mental state. Right. Of, um, his, his, his alcoholism kind of taking over. His frustration with... Not only Hollywood at the time, Paramount Pictures and MGM, but also the control, the um, the newspaper was into like local politics and how that was also being used. How Hearst was also using that, and um, to even started doing you know rumors to go towards the presidency and, and kind of messing with that. There's a little bit of sprinkling of politics of the time. I think a lot of. Sp- I think more than sprinkling of politics of the Well, time. there was a big chunk, which I even felt was a little unnecessary, about the whole election of 1934, mm. um, which I felt, the, uh, of local election in California. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which I thought was a bit too heavy-handed, but even maybe a little bit in there to appease sort of, sort of modern audiences. Like, For, like the fake oh, news look, oh, oh, look, fake news. And I think I did make the snarty comment, like, oh, fake news. Because um, that's in there when Hearst and them are using... That's trying to relate to modern day, but it really still has no relevance. To, I, I didn't feel like it had a relevance to like today's culture. Well, I mean, so I think one could stretch and make an argument that there's a section of the film that you would say, oh, that's relating to um, the Trump era and right, some of the right, Trump issues. Right, 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 right. But I think to even bring that into part of the conversation of Mank does Mank a disservice um, and detracts what it's really trying to do. Right, exactly, for sure. So I wasn't even interested in going down that rabbit hole. Um, at all. Oh, yeah, by the way, we're at King State again. <laughs> we are the rocking music, here. <laughs> we love, one thing about King State, the music's the loud. The music is loud. The music's good. good. The music's it's always good. loud. But if it's going to be loud, it should be good. I kind of feel like dancing right now, but I'm not going to. And if you're a little sleepy on a late morning and on a Sunday, if the coffee doesn't wake you up, the, mu- the music will. Absolutely. No, um, so you didn't like Mank. I will agree with you about story-wise. It's tough to like Mank okay. as a story. I did not know you felt that way. So. As a narrative. Um, but is there something to appreciate? Well, here's the struggle, right? David Fincher is 
I feel a masterful filmmaker. Yes, I'll agree with that. Technically, sure. the way this film is shot, I think you could, and, and you would want to do this. Okay, I was going to say, I think you could put this film on mute and maybe not sit there for the two hours and 10 minutes that it runs and be engaged. But I think just watching it and seeing it looks great. Not only does mm -hmm. it look beautiful and black and white and filmed and very cinematic, but at the same time, he's made it look exactly like a film from the early 1940s. Yes, yeah, I agree. That was a good part of it. I did enjoy that, yeah. that part of it. I mean, And so much sure. so that even the way the, everybody's voice sounds, mm -hmm. you know, how you watch old movies and it, that they're not as full, the voices, like it's almost like the bass is taken out of everything. It's yes. all just like middle mm -hmm. range of, of sound. All of the speech and the dialogue, like if you had a blindfold on, because it looks, even though he's done a lot to make it look like an older film, you could watch it and say like, oh, this is a modern film made to look old. Um, he does little scratches. He puts the cigarette burns constantly in the film where, you know, where they switch reels in the old days, mm -hmm. like, like he told us in Fight Club. Right. Um, and it even does like the jitter, like, you, like the old days when we used to see movies in the theater. Mm -hmm. um, the youth today would not know this, right? <laughs> but it would have not only, you see the little cigarette burn in the top corner real quick, the little hole, but the film screen like jitters just for a second, like right, do -do 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 as you switch over film reels. Um, that's present in this. Like and it's you purposely liked that done. About that. Yeah, but it's not over the top. It made it unique. It's just there to give the feel for the film. The way the, the, the light, the way the light, everything is like any sort of light that comes out of light bulbs or windows or sunlight, it oversaturates the film like it would. Mm -hmm. And there's that glow and sheen almost like on everything. Mm -hmm. So watching it and listening to it as just a movie, movie making, I'm not saying script writing, because I would say even the acting is top notch. I think everybody does a great job. The acting is good. Gary Oldman mm -hmm. is phenomenal. Like, he's so good as Mank. He is good. He is. He is. So I say, where does this movie hurt? The script. Yeah, and, the, and, and, and then we get into that. Yeah. Also, this is a movie about not toying with someone's script, right? Right. Orson Welles wants credit for writing Citizen Kane. At the end, because Mank realizes how great of a script it is, he doesn't want to give up his writing credit. No, yeah. And he doesn't want his script messed with and changed by Wells in this way, or the studio, or anything. And that was part of the agreement, like, hey, the studio's not going to mess with this. this. The movie starts off with Mank, right, almost mocking the studio process of, it's not just one screenwriter writing a film. You know, these days, you know, yeah, there's plenty of rewrites and there's writers that punch up scripts for studios. But they really show that, oh, it's a room full of writers who, write or, who are writing these early films of the 30s right. and 40s. When they all get together in the different rooms. And they're really just making a movie that these clueless, absent-minded film producers, studio heads. Kind of come up with together. That want, right? And they mm -hmm. make, I thought it was one of the better humorous scenes in the movie. For sure. Where they're all just going around the room making up a monster movie plot on the yeah. spot, mm -hmm. acting like they've been working on this for a long time. And this doing like round robin trading. And what happens next? Right. Oh, what happens next? Right. Almost like he's sitting in a room with a bunch of children and 
yeah. doing like a, a story together, but, making but, up a story. Yeah, so, and then it even, and then they even make up and use like literary buzzwords and names and motifs and themes to say, oh, but this will be present in it too. Mm-hmm. So this will be a monster, like, you know, a monster movie with substance and depth. Mm-hmm. Um, to see, so to see Mink go from that part to the very end, you know, kind of respecting not only himself, but his craft and like having confidence in himself, whatever you can say, you know, as a writer, not feeling he's washed up. So I, I only bring that up. I think the weakest part of this whole movie is the script, which backing up to that whole point about a movie about taking the script seriously um, and not having other people meddle with it like studio heads and whatnot. Did Fincher, did David ignore things or not? I have no idea. I didn't do any research about the script or about his father. But I did not do research about that either, but... did I wonder, is the script the way it is because his father wrote it and because maybe it wasn't scrutinized as closely as it might have been if it came from other sources. So I made a joke about like nepotism at the beginning of the movie too. I mean, probably because I think it lacks a lot of like, I mean. Or or do the people in this movie, Mank included, just didn't really have much heart. Like much heart than them to to, to, to sympathize. I don't know. I don't know enough about you have to think, I, I, either. I understand that it was written in like in the 30s and 40s. I mean, set in the third, not written in the 30s and 40s. Set in the 30s and 40s. So they're not real concerned with like gender, race, all of that equality. But at the same time, it's like there's it's like a male fest. Oh no no. There for are sure. women characters, but there's nothing really complex or interesting about the women characters. I no. mean, they're not everything the women do or say is centered around the men, you know, like and then racially was Hollywood that white back then, I guess. Oh yeah, yeah. There is not, you know. I mean, do you think it was really? Like there's not really any no, 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 you, you had some, but then this is also the era, you know, slightly before it, where you still had, um, you know, you had films like Birth of a Nation, which is just this extreme racist propaganda film. You had, you know, blackface was still, you know, it was more used in things as well. Right. Um, so, yeah, culturally, we were not there. And well, they had red face. In this movie. They had the white yeah. actors mm-hmm. as Native American. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And then as far as like any kind, like, you know, I, I like to relate to the women characters because I'm a woman. And I did like, what's her name? Amanda Siegfried. What's her yeah. name? Siegfried. Yeah. Siegfried. Siegfried. Yeah. Um, her name was Mary... She was Marion Davis, right? Yeah. In the movie. Um, I liked her. I don't think they gave her enough... Um, enough... I can't think of the word depth, I guess. No, enough yeah. depth in the movie. I mean, the, the closest you could come to emphasize, um, empathizing with her was when she says something like... Um, I wrote it down. Sorry. I live in a fishbowl, but I... But I can have, 
I live in a fishbowl, but I can have everything I want, which is sad, you know? Yeah. In a sense of like... But, which I thought was interesting, too. They were having that conversation. She was having that conversation with Mank. With Mank, after. Um, mm-hmm. When they were also like walking around his like menagerie of like... Monkeys, Animals. Monkeys, monkeys in cages, elephants, zebras... And she's um, saying, giraffes. I live in a fishbowl. Yeah, I yeah, can yeah. have but, anything I want. But, but I also like leaning towards like she's yet another prized possession of she hurts. She is. Yeah. We made sure. It's, but then that hurts. was it. She doesn't really ever seem too upset about it. I mean, she doesn't. The, you never see too much emotion in the in the women characters at all or no, any no, kind no, of. No, no, no. They all kind of get like a scene. Right. All right. She gets that. She has a little bit where she talks about like. Yeah, this is my life. I get, you know, right. I get good. There's the good and the bad. Um, she also struggles with is she a good actress or not, or is she just getting roles because. And then of, I still, I, I'm still trying to figure out the. Um, it just popped in my head. When they're all in the office, you know what I'm going to say. Oh yeah. The woman sitting there almost naked, mm-hmm. with just things around her nipples. Yeah, she has, um, like, pasties, but they're all glittery. But I, I thought at some point the men are going to say something or there's going to be a reason that that's happening. No, yeah, Mink but introduces. There's, there's no Mink's, reason. It's when Mink's brother shows up. There's just a room Mink, full of men with a woman yeah, with almost all, no clothes all, on but typing. But they're also, they're not even working on writing at that point, right? That's early on. That's right before that scene where they go and pitch the made-up movie that they've act like they've been working on this whole time. But what are they doing in that room? It's the boys' club. Mank is the center of that attention. He is, they're making bets on how many times like a coin will flip, like land on heads or tails. They're all joking around, smoking and, and playing games. I know, but what was her purpose? That's my point. Her purpose oh. was just to be, her job was to type. Okay. Because they would spit they out, they would spit out their idea, like, gotcha. like what we see later when Mank is bedridden, and he's right, talking right. about but this his woman had no clothes on. No, I know. And they're in no. a public place. And they're in their office. In the I know. office, yeah. But what I'm saying is, it's showing, yeah, like you said, it's just the boys' club, it's just a male-dominated industry, and that typist has also been ridiculed and just part of that whole situation she's yet another game in that and she so, says nothing she doesn't have one line no no she doesn't say a word yeah, yeah, and yeah. that's what i'm saying even when the brother shows up mank introduces everybody in the room except her she doesn't even right. say her name i noticed that uh, yeah. yeah no and that's yeah so that's what i was saying was right that's just to symbolize like you said it's the boys club their women aren't valued in this industry and profession i mean right um even amanda who you talked about her character, um, her roles are still like like the scene. We, the only scene we really see her act is not even acting. She's she's screaming the, for help. The Indians are coming, damsel in distress, and she's tied up to a um, a stake about to be burned at the stake. Right. Um, yeah, and, and the other kind of major female character too is Hank's uh, Mank's wife. Right. Who is, I did. Who I is, did really like her. No, she's good. And who who occasionally? But I don't again, say, they didn't give I don't her say, enough depth. No, I don't say she stands up to Mank, but she voices her anger and frustration towards him often. She voices I mean, it, but she doesn't. No, basically care. every scene is never anything loving. It's just something like 
they're like a partnership. She puts up with whatever yeah. he does and never leaves him. She stays home and takes care of the kids. No, no, she has. He her never moment. helps. She has her moment at the end. Yes. Where she at least I wouldn't even say a moment. She has she has her moment where she confronts all the stuff you've been watching about her. Because she is referred to throughout the whole movie also by Mank as and everyone. Poor are, Sarah. As poor Sarah, not Sarah, not even your wife. It's poor Sarah. Um, but again, you're right. And in she general, knows that. in general, there is this. And again, you have to interpret how you, is it done on purpose just to showcase how things are right. um, back then. As part of because uh, a lot of and, this, and, and a lot I'm, of this I view as, as David Lynch's or Jack Lynch's. Um, this is not looking at this era, this golden age of Hollywood, as they call it. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think this is a film in, in any way looking at this in a glamorized fashion. No, no, no. I just think, I, I think you can show how women are not taken seriously or not important or whatever, but also in a, a, a movie you put out now, give them a little more like internal depth. Mm-hmm. of what's going no, on inside I mean, of them. A lot That's of, all. A lot of David I'm Fincher films... I'm not saying it shouldn't be that way because you're trying to portray how it was, but also there, you, you can, in a way, just like in Minari, I mm-hmm. guess, mm-hmm. like you can give them a little more depth. And poor Sarah, that would have been a great opportunity to give her a little more depth. No, I agree, no. And that's my thing with this movie. I'm going to say this. Um, Mank. Did I love Mank? No. Is Mank even kind of boring at times? For sure. Um, as a story, do not enjoy it as something. Don't even feel like you need to ever see again. I, like, for filmmaking, I like just, just the a, way David the way Fincher makes a movie. The score, like, for starters, the movie starts off like it looks like it's from the 40s. Yes, just the title definitely. screen, and it, that's I mean, very engaging. That well. But what's even weird is these old title screens show up. But it says like the word Netflix there on the screen. Like that doesn't look like that doesn't belong there, you know, because it looks like that. Mm-hmm. And then like Trent Reznor's name pops up, and Trent Reznor does a really great score. But you go, Trent Reznor's name shouldn't be on the screen. Mm-hmm. Not because he shouldn't be doing the score, because just the way it's shot and looked mm-hmm. doesn't look that. Um, but what I really, you know, it's one of these things like, yeah, it's okay, it's fine. I, even kind of thinking on a technical piece, like is this best picture? Not even close. I feel. No, uh, you I know, really hope it doesn't win. Because best it's, I, would be I don't think it will. Because it's, not, it's so different. It's definitely it's different. And like I said, if you're part of that niche that is really into that, yeah. I'm sure it's, you know. And I felt a lot of Mank without holding a, a finger pointing, finger wagging tone. Am I doing that? No, no, no. I'm saying, <laughs> I'm saying the film. I don't think it has that that tone, mm-hmm. but I do think it's more of a th- there's nothing I think that looks at this era of movie making in the studios in a positive light. Right, right. Main no, it doesn't. Except but, 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 but at the same time, it doesn't come out very judgmental of anybody either. It's almost like, hey, yeah. this, this could have been from the era if they were making a behind-the-scenes movie of what was happening during the writing of Citizen Kane and led up to it, this is what it would look like. Right. Except that, like, Mank, Mankiewicz, mm-hmm. he never suffers any kind of consequences for how he is in any way. His alcoholism, his treatment of his wife, his fake, you know, his, it, what he doesn't, I mean, if you want to say that Hollywood is, 
it's not putting Hollywood in a good light. I agree, it's not. Except nowadays, luckily, some of these people are being held accountable for some things. Well, those that like the whole the whole the whole studio lot would get shut down. <laughs> right. <laughs> this movie. No. Well, it's kind of like that now. Like the I'm Oscars. I'm saying if it was back then. The Oscars have a hard time finding someone to give best picture to based on their male lead character. Yeah. Um, it's hard pressed to find someone that isn't, you know, controversial in some way, yeah. one shape or another. So, so, yeah. So my your point about Mank, the character himself, which I agree. I think Gary Oldman again. I think I really like him. I liked everything him. His he, acting was very. Everything good. he always done is great. He's somebody that disappears into his role. Yeah. And even when you see him, whether he's like in a Batman movie or in this movie, um, I did not know he was yeah, Sid yeah, and yeah. Nancy. Um, oh, Sid yeah. and Sid Vicious, right? Yeah. He's, okay, I, I looked. That was part this of my is, research. No, Gary Oldman's been all over the place, and, and I love him as an actor. Um, and as for a movie that's called Mank, I would like. I would have liked, and maybe, and I think this would have helped the story. I would have liked to just gone more in. To him, him me too. as a person and his like struggles. Like I said, I, I usually like to I empathize with someone, with one of the characters. And it, even if we would have been more into the struggle of his marriage and the struggle of his alcoholism, I thought that would have been, and just the struggle of him in Hollywood, I thought think that would have been more interesting. And I'll be honest, I feel the only thing, and maybe it's the thing that appealed to most people, that I feel was probably the more tacked on part of this movie that maybe was changed from an original script. That last like 20 minutes or so is when it really does a shift more towards Mank and the script, the, the finished product of Citizen Kane and his battle with Orson Welles. Um, right. And that whole piece and what he really wants. And this idea of understanding that maybe he is a, a good writer, like he's not washed up or whatever. Mm-hmm. That does feel a little out of place with the rest of this movie. Mm-hmm. But I think that might be things that resonates with more people as well. And that's when it got to that, I go, oh, that's really what I wanted. Not the history lesson of right. this era of film of, of Hollywood. Yeah, 100%. I want yeah. to just give me the more biopic about Mank. Mm-hmm. But, then maybe, but then if we, they did that, right, would then this have just been a run of the mill, not much to talk about other than the life of Mank. Mm-hmm type film when and that's really never David Fincher's interest um, right he, he doesn't he doesn't do those type of movies so I don't know um, well but but it would have been nice to just to get a little more about M- Mank and to whether empathize with him more or to see him his more true colors like you said the only consequence he really had which was never fully delved in other than just listening to people talk, he basically lost his career um, near the end of it because he had betrayed and gone and spoke out against the powers that be. Mm-hmm. Um, Hertz, his bosses, you know, he crashes the big dinner party, we, we find out eventually. Right. So he loses that career, and this is his revenge script mm-hmm. slash... Um, which own. he becomes wildly famous for. So yeah. he does lose his career, but doesn't. He, he does, but yeah, but, but it's his, 
but you know, his revenge script and his sort of return, yeah, to, or he finally reaches his potential, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, I guess so. But at the same time, would that have been a more boring movie of just, I don't know, I really liked a lot of the flashback stuff at the same no. time. Yeah, I know you did. Only I know. because, no, no, not that I thought no, it was no, really no. well done. It was good. I mean, I mean, I'm glad you liked it. Yeah. I'm glad one of us did. <laughs> No, but I, I don't even know if I would recommend Mink to anyone. Well, here's the thing. But it's free on Netflix. Not so. to keep going on this tangent, yeah. but it can't win Best Picture because in, so culturally right now, Gary Ullman, he can't. He's part of this movement. <laughs> he, he can't, and it's not, it's not, I don't think, this is my personal opinion, and I have a lot of opinions about that, but they're just perpetuating the problem of mate letting actors who, because of their fame and whatever, have acted irresponsibly and recklessly and keep, yes, does that have anything to do with his ability to act? Mm -hmm. No. I understand your, I know that's the argument you're going to take. Well, it's the art and the artist, However... Yeah. When you look at, um, okay, so he's accused mm -hmm. of a domestic abuse, mm. right? Like beating his wife in front of his children. Accused, not convicted. Do we but, know when this happened? Yeah, like 2001 or something. Okay. 2000, maybe 2011. I don't know. Small children. I think his children are in their 20s now. Um wasn't wasn't you know whatever but however let's think about our profession if we were <laughs> accused of something like that our careers would be over but the academy and the oscars can keep lifting these people up they have to be you know we people in most other professions have to be much more careful so they're not doing irresponsible things of even being accused of something that might not be true because it can ruin your mm -hmm. career. However, the Oscars and the Academy continue lifting men up like this and women that do things that are wrong um, with irregard because, oh, well, they're good actors. It has nothing to do with their personal life. Well, I could be a good teacher but have a terrible personal life, but that doesn't matter. We're not going to separate that. You know what I mean? That's my opinion, that that's why I'm saying the Oscars are hard-pressed, i.e. James Franco, i.e. whatever, to find a picture, in my opinion, that they can um, responsibly award an Oscar to. That's my opinion. Hmm. I'm not saying, I think he's a celebrated, wonderful actor. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying if we're holding them in this light and, and boosting them up, that they sh we should be boosting people up that are using their role responsibly. No, I agree. But, uh, you know, I think there's bigger issues, too. I mean, it, and it's not just that incident. He has other things, mm -hmm. like he's coming, you know, again, into the spotlight now when people are less afraid to bring mm -hmm. things like that out um, that is disappointing. No, of course, of course. You know? Mm -hmm. Hence, he could use his, his personal alcohol battle 
as an excuse for some of that, but that's not, it's not really an excuse. Mm. I hear you. You know? Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's my opinion. <laughs> well, it's, it's a bigger, I think it's also a bigger question of, one, could these films get made without certain people, and that's the struggle. True. You know? I mean, he um, plays Mank very well. But, no, yes, that's but the, he and, is and the perfect actor for Mank, probably, and then sometimes, yes. is there a thought in the person's mind, like, this guy is the guy? Of course. And, Absolutely. And again, that's my point with Fincher is, I said nothing, I felt nothing was glamorized in this film about that lifestyle. Mank wasn't selling, and I said maybe... The only thing not glamorized is the fact there was no consequences. Typically, I mean, No, but, this, but in real life, there was no consequences for Mank. Right. So, I mean, this is a, not a fake story. It's yeah. not like... That's the thing. The worst he got was he lost his job and had to get a different job. Right. And he, then he got an Oscar for it. Like, he got an Academy Award. I mean, his wife could have left him or something. No, like, but, the, but that didn't <laughs> I know, happen. I know. It didn't that's happen. I'm, I'm kidding. Make up, that's my other problem, I, I understand. I we understand. We can't make up consequences. I got it. So, we all can't in make all, up for consequences. I think. When consequences weren't there, and to your point. I agree. When we were in a society... That wasn't as critical. So to me, that, wasn't that movie, because of all these things, is not relevant in today's culture or to me at all. It, it's not relevant at all. Which well, to me, that brings up a bigger question then. Is that, do films need to be relevant to today? I'm um, not saying it's a yes or no answer. I think it either needs to be relevant personally or culturally to be able to connect with it in some way, for me, personally, mm-hmm. to enjoy it. Yes. If I can't connect with it on a personal level or so, yeah, culturally so, of what's kind so of... So my question, yeah, my question is, yeah, on a personal level, so like a story... In any way, even just a character or something. And that, and I think that brings to your point at the very beginning of the movie. This is for... At the very beginning of this, you said this is for... A small niche of a people, small who, niche understand. Of people who understand. A small And I think that's where lines get blurred, too. And not to ever like end a conversation. It's like also understanding of, oh, this isn't my, this isn't a movie for all people. Because I right. feel the people who see it, they're also not going to get a who are into that niche. They're not going to get a love letter to the old talkie movies of the 30s and 40s. They're going to get something that's a grimier look at what right. it was behind the mm-hmm. scenes. It was not a inclusive environment. It was not a, a people, it was not redeemable individuals. It was about money and influence of the things you wanted. And anybody who didn't fit into that, we're not a part of it. So I think it's the point of that movie. So I think somebody and I wonder older generations who grew up with that film or appreciate watching the old Turner classic films. I'd be Thank curious. My dad. Yes, I would be curious of their take on it. Because it's not a fan. You're right, that fair. would be interesting. And I, th- and I think to your point, that's the point of this movie. This point wasn't to make you feel good about Mank at all. Right. Or any, anybody associated with it. It wasn't makes you feel good like, let's celebrate Citizen Kane and Orson Welles. Not the point of this movie. I think in David Fincher's ways, whose movies are typically dark and deal with the underbelly of our society, I mean, he doesn't make feel-good movies um, no, no. at all. But and everything, and that's in this, I think that was part of this. The golden era of Hollywood was not even close to golden. So this makes a good point. 
I agree with that. Yeah. It doesn't glamorize at all. But it also doesn't go underbelly enough. It doesn't go far enough under the belly. No, no, I agree. I, I think there's a deeper... <laughs> like, I would have been more interested if it went really down in the underbelly. No, I think But it, it's a... kind of like somewhere blandly in the middle. No, no, yeah. I, I think there's definitely you know? that. And to apparently me. this is the movie Fincher wanted to make right after he made, like, The Game and Seven, right before Fight Club, like, when Fincher was all about the underbelly and things are not what they seem. Right. Um, and those are some of his more grimy, grotesque movies in right. general, like really mm -hmm. expose society for what it really is, mm -hmm. that it's not, you can put a fresh coat of paint on something, but it's still gross and grime underneath. I agree, this movie needed more of that, but then would that fit with the style in which he chose? I, I think some no, of it, the it gimmicky style of let's make it look like this, Helps and hurts it. It makes it, in some ways, he's putting that sheen on it that maybe I preferred wasn't there. Right. So I don't know. I but don't I still know. don't think it's best picture. It's not. <laughs> I don't think it's Fincher's. We'll be so wrong if tonight it no, becomes no, 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 best no, no, no. picture. <laughs> if it becomes best picture, it's because of some other political reasons. Absolutely. No question behind the scenes, and it's Ooh. like your point, which is my point to at the beginning. There's a lot wrong with the Academy and the yeah. Oscars. That's why I was very hesitant when you kept saying we celebrate the that Oscars. We're still I'm so like, no, 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 no. We never it. celebrate the Oscars. <laughs> we're we we, no, we no, never no. celebrate. I mean, as a tradition of, like, yes. just like you watch a show, like, the you know, if you watch the Super Bowl, we don't particularly watch the Super Bowl, but it's an event, because well, one of our children thing. likes the Super Bowl. I, and I struggle with big sporting events for yes. those same reasons you brought about glamorizing act, um, <laughs> athletes and actors. No, right. so we, it's for different things, but it'd be very curious to see how Mank does. We I'm are. also curious, like, why it's even nominated. Um, in general, too. for best picture, but it, but at the same time, and I guess we can end on well, this. It's different. It's different. It's, it's different. Unique. But you can almost see a scattered brain approach mm -hmm. to our best picture nominees. Yeah. You have something like Mank, which is like, oh, let's. I mean, David Fincher, for what he does, he's still part of that sort of Hollywood established director class now. Like he's one of the top. Mm -hmm dogs, unfortunately, for, you know, this is what it is. So you have him there, you have these things like Nomadland and Minari that fall in this sort of more traditional right, Oscar more traditional nomination, Oscar like, nomination. okay, this is heartwarming promising stories. Promising Young Woman. Is no, that Best Picture? That's Best Actress. That no, that's Best Picture, but oh. I feel Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, and um, The Trial of Chicago 7, they are closer to the types of films that should be winning Best Picture, mm -hmm. because when you said Mank was different, these are the ones that are truly different. Different, out there. They're mm -hmm. more contemporary, and they're moving the art forward by putting in contemporary elements into their filmmaking, representing the culture better and the time, um, and talking about the problems and the things that matter today to us. Which I think is a broader audience feels connected to It that. could be more broader and it could be mm -hmm. opening up and I think it does and I think it, it and maybe not broader because sometimes I think when we feel broader I feel like it's like oh this is sort of like not dumbing it down but it's like it's least common denominator right mm -hmm. I don't think they're that I think but they're at least more accessible 
and inclusive to things that more people care about. Right. Done, but also pushing the filmmaking further. Mm -hmm. um, I think No Man Land kind of rides the land between the two. Um, but so I don't think any three of those, no um, Chicago 7, Promising Young Woman, or Sound of Metal will win. Um, I do think it'll go towards that sort of more middle end. The broader one. People really like Promising Young Woman, but I no, don't but think I don't it'll think win. I, I really like it. I think it, the one that's really, to your argument, the one that's broad and hits all the buttons might be No Man Land, which we saw, but we didn't see it recently. We, we didn't, didn't see it, see last it the night, night before, so we but we did it. see it and we liked it. I, I liked others more than it, but I liked it. I really liked I it. I thought it was unique, really cool. unique. All right. Okay. Did you drink all your coffee? We forgot to cheers again. Uh, in the beginning. We always did it. But you also had a mimosa. We'll let I people know. Just one. <laughs> I stuck with the coffee. All right, we've been at King State. We got to get out of here. Uh, they're going to kick us out. People, we've been talking on microphones in the public for like an hour now. Yes, we've so. got to go. All right. It was fun, though. I enjoyed disagreeing with you. No, I, I wanted, <laughs> we said before, this is going to be a spicy episode. That's so good. we were ready for it to be spicy. I, I, I value your opinion. <laughs> no, I value yours, too. <laughs> um, I like to, yeah, I think, it, yeah, I like to explore. And that's part of the what night before is we explore. And we come at things with different perspectives. Complicated is, things, and we all struggle with the same thing. Like yeah, any so it's marriage, good. right? That's part of the part of the show. <laughs> all right. Let's get out of here. Okay. They're cleaning all the silverware. You can probably hear it in the background. All right. And we don't know what our next movie will be. I don't know yet. Um oh what was that one I asked you about this morning? Really want to see that. Um drawing a blank. Oh, I asked, I said, is this movie out yet? And you said, yes. I was like, yeah, it's on Netflix or something. It's on Netflix. I don't remember what it is now, but. Um, All right. Thanks, anyway. for, thanks for listening. <laughs> thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Okay, bye. Bye.